Welcome to the In The Money Players podcast. This is our year-end recap with questions provided by In The Money Plus listeners. If you're watching on YouTube, we want you to go down in the comments and tell us what your most memorable moment from 2023 is. I think there'll be some consensus on this, though there are a few interesting different ways you could go. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fortital, all decked out for Christmas right here in the Brooklyn Bunker and extremely happy to bring in a man I've had the pleasure of working with all year on these shows you know him from the fantastic work he does on America's Day at the Races over at Fox, as well as on the In the Money Media Network and other places. He's Jonathan Kinchin. What's up, JK? PTF, I, I was in your, uh, not wasn't in your neck of the woods, but I was, uh, I was in the city, New York City, uh, doing a little showing Austin around the, the Christmas vibes of New York City. And a couple of observations I wanted to run by you as a New Yorker. Hit One, I, I would move out of New York between thanksgiving and you know january 4th um Certainly midtown you don't want to be around there that's where we stayed it, it well it's just uh, I, it's I would just, have advised uh, against that i well i mean it was cool it was good for austin right to be able to see like that feel that vibe but for someone like me who's 40 years of age and has seen it before and felt it before I, tourists are horrible <laughs> human beings aren't they <laughs> They're a bit of a scourge this time of year. You can't walk across the street around there. And I've had to, for various reasons, go into, you know, I'll go months without leaving Brooklyn and going into Manhattan. For whatever reason, this year I've had to go in about six times this month. And uh, yeah, it's duck and cover, man, once you're in there. It's tough, man. It's, you know, but, you know, Austin had fun. I, I kind of liked him having the challenge of, 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 you know, what I've always described New York as like any place where, you know, you could die at any moment crossing the street. I think it's kind of exciting. Um, Interesting parenting philosophy, but yeah. yeah. And so he, I, you know, I was, uh, you know, he had fun. You know, I told him, I was like, buddy, it's like, it, it, it's, you know, I told him it's like riding a turf race. You got to, you know, you got to find <laughs> position and you got to get forward and you got to go left-handed when you see a gap open, you got to get through there, you know? Um, but he, he's uh he, he had a great time. We saw Aladdin, by the way, Pete, it was oh, outstanding. That's great. That's really good. That's a good one. We saw that a few years ago and loved it. Yeah, outstanding. Fantastic stuff. All right, let's dive into these questions because the In The Money Plus people have come through so well. We have probably more than we can get to, but we're going to do our best. Uh, not really a question, but uh, BJ says loves the emails with wagering strategy based on different budgets. We've had Tyler Wisman, we've had Drew Coatney do those, um, giving folks a, a good idea of uh, how to spread around money in different pools, emphasizing opinions, wants more content like that. I love the idea. Of course, very hard to provide, especially when we have to record things early, but duly noted, BJ, we'll definitely try to get to more of that type of content. I know, JK, that's something that you've done at times, uh, giving out specific wagers. You know, I, wish, I wish there were. it was easier for us to do even more of that. Yeah, it's just, it's tricky because the, the you know, your opinion, your, your, you know, how you how you leverage your opinion depends so much on your budget. It, you know, if there's a different, if you're, if you're playing with a hundred dollars and you're playing with a thousand dollars, how you attack a pick six sequence is completely different. Yeah. And um, you know, when kind of neophytes hit, you know, ask me a friend, they'll say, Hey, I'm going to the races for the first time. You know, I want to bet money. How, what should I do? Yeah. I always say, 
how much do you, how much can you lose? And, and they'll say, Oh, you know, I want to bet $200. I say, okay, cool. Do you want to win $400 or do you want to win $20,000? And they always say $20,000. I say, okay, listen, it's a, it's a long shot to win the 20, but we'll build you a wager with your 200 to win 20. But if you want to win 400, there's a different wagering strategy. So just let me know what you want to do and we'll build it around that. So I think understanding your budget and your goal will help you formulate your wagering strategy based on your opinion. Goals are so underrated. It's something I've spoken extensively with Matt Miller about, with Drew Cotney about the idea of it doesn't just have to be in the BCBC where you have a goal, like on a random day, just to train yourself, come up with a goal. I'm trying to make five X my money today. I'm good. Just to your point, JK, I'm going to formulate a strategy to do, to do just that. So it, it's a good idea. And it's content that I, I do think we'll try to get a little bit more of, but for various reasons, it's not the kind of thing we can do week in week out, but thank you very much for that one. Let's uh, move on to the next one. Uh, DJ unstable. Uh, this one's from Merrick generally starts playing Gulfstream and fairgrounds in January, uh, taking time off after the breeders cup. I used to do that before I was fully in the game as well. What I've been reading about the turf courses is concerning though. Have not heard too much in depth interested in finding out what the realistic chances of having some significant turf racing at both venues early in 2023. I think it's a situation where we're, you know, answering this question is trying to hit a moving target. Just have to pay attention hear what trainers and jockeys are saying, look at results, see how formful they look going along. I have heard that Gulfstream is supposed to be in good shape for the championship meet starting in uh, 1226. And I've also heard that a lot of the timing issues are, are supposed to be better. So, you know, we'll, at this point, I think it's not just being a cynical horse player to say, I'll believe it when I see it, but <laughs> I suppose I'll believe it when I see it. Um, but I'm expecting that one will be okay. The fairground situation, I'm not as up on, honestly. And uh, I'd feel like a little bit out of place even commenting other than to say what I said already. Anything to piggyback onto that, JK? No, I mean, I, you know, look, I, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't pay attention as much as you do to, to our partners. Are. I hope fairground isn't. I don't, I mean, I look at fairgrounds when I'm kind of forced to look at fairgrounds, you know, when it's a big day and, and, and it's, you know, I, I just, it, no offense to Fairground, it's just like, I think bandwidth wise, I can only look yeah. at so many only things. so much you, you can do. And, and I imagine uh, you'll be adding Santa Anita to the mix uh, when they uh, when they kick on. I looked I looked at entries this morning, just getting excited about the day after Christmas. Um, I, I will say this, as far as I was, as far as I've heard, Gulfstream's in better shape than it used to be. I mean, I think they even, unfortunately, because it was so much fun to say, I think they shook the DERF monitor, monitor right? I mean, like, I, I, I mean, you know, I think it, it looks like it, it looked great. I think they'll be able to protect it quite a bit with the the the, the poly races kind of in between. And um, so, you know, I, I haven't heard anything. I, I would. And then look, I mean, I think that even if it's even if it does does either one of those places take kind of a turn turn towards the negative, I think it's still not something that's going to stop you know a multi race player from in, engaging in a sequence where they have some opinions. All right, let's move it on because we have so much stuff. And we do need to do some general year-end recapping too. Okay, oh my goodness. Jack, how many services do you have on the shows, tend to use, and how do you yearly subscription each time? You play? Oh my goodness, I should have edited this. Um, <laughs> I think this first question is getting into the idea of what do we use to, to look at handicap. Yeah. For, me, for me, day in, day out, it's it's Timeform US and, and DRF Formulator. Um, you know, I will use stats for me. Stats is more of a 
deep dive before a meet. I love using it. I love using it for that. I will look day in, day out when I have time ahead of a really big day. I'll check out Thurograph. You know, I think it's just, it's an interesting way of looking at the world. I don't always agree with the methodology, but I, but I think it's, uh, you know, especially for something like the Breeders' Cup can be useful. Those would be the main, those would be the main things for me. Um, any, any that you want to throw in the mix there? Um, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a time form US player. Um, I like to see the buyer speed figure as well, just because I think it's the base of what the market is going to do, which I think is also important. Um, you know, time form US uh, buyer. I mean, I had some fun with, with, with race lens for a little while. I, I think it does offer some kind of interesting perspectives. Uh, you know, I've kind of gotten away from, from formulator stats uh, just because I think they can be a little bit misleading. I think the times that they're right uh, they're equally wrong in terms of helping you make a decision. So I've kind of just chosen to like, just kind of eliminate it a little bit. Cause I didn't feel like they helped me one way or another enough. And then workout reports, I think are pretty crucial. That's a good um, one. When you're dealing with, when you're dealing with, you know, maiden races and you're dealing with horses off of layoffs and you're dealing with droppers and maiden forties. And I, I think that workout reports, at least just having a clue, you know, I don't think you got to go crazy about the grades, but reading who the horses are working with, I think is one of the most, uh, one of the most powerful tools that you can have. You can take it a step further by looking to see what kind of figures the horses they're working with are running. For instance, in a maiden special way, not even a maiden special, let's just call it an allowance race or, or a first level allowance where you have a horse that is, you know, outworking off of a layoff, outworking horses that can run a 90 speed figure, outwork the horse twice that runs 90 speed figures in the race, doesn't have a horse in there can then, that can run a 90. I think you can find some value there. So, um, and then to kind of pop ahead, Pete, to that second question, I'll let you work on the third one yeah. is, you know, I, I think that this question is 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 somewhat problematic, and, and the reason I say that is is because sum it up for the listeners because there's people not watching on YouTube. Got it. Um, you know, another question is how do you you know the, how do you play out the day? Do you do you do you play pick fives, pick sixes? Do you do you do you bet win? Do you back up with daily doubles and pick threes to protect yourself? Those questions, I think, is it's a huge mistake because you know you, you don't want to marry yourself to wager types or a wager strategy that is like, this is what I do. Because I think you have to allow the sequence and your opinion to dictate how you play it. I think you sit down and you say, I have, you, need, you open up a forum, you need to tell yourself, I have no idea how I'm going to bet this card and which way I'm going to bet it. You look at it, you identify your opinions, you, you identify the favorites you don't like, you identify the long shots you do like, and then you formulate the strategy. It needs to be different every time. I mean, think of it like a football game. You know, I, I don't think good coaches, um, you know, I'll use I use in, you know, because I think he's, it's, it's a good time to use Mike Leach. Right. I, I think he was a brilliant mind and, and, and rest in peace, Mike Leach. But like, you know, I don't think Mike Leach woke up every day and said that we're going to do this no matter what. You have to have a plan, a backup plan based on the defense you're playing and based on the team you're playing and based on the team that you have. That's how you attack these cards, not saying we're going to run, we're going to line up, we're going to run zone to the right, we're going to run zone to the left, and then we're going to throw play action because that's what we do. Those teams get beat, and I think that that's kind of how you should approach the wagering menu. Something that we gave out for the Breeders' Cup shows that I got as much praise as I've ever gotten for anything we ever did, JK, was when we suggested, it's sort of a stolen idea from Madvag Volgi, going through and grading your opinion on different races in terms of really like how strong and how confident you are. Go across a card, grade them from A to F, 
and then look where the opinions are and find the wagers that connect those bets. I mean, from a horizontal point of view, I think that's exactly right. And I'm sure you could do something very similar for exactus tries and, and supers as well. That would be my advice on that. And then Jack's third question is very much similar to BJ's question that kicked us off about, you know, just another person wanting to hear more about specific wagering strategy. I think, you know, I'm getting the, the strong vibes. We should be adding content in that regard for our plus people. And that's something we'll look at. You know, the one thing I will say, though, is, is sure. I mean, it's obviously something we can, can do for an example, to set an example of how to do it. But, man, that, it's such a personal, unique thing to you that it's, like I said, it, I don't think you want to blindly take someone else's betting strategy in terms of because it's so it's so opinion based, uh, budget based, goal based. I think what you want to do is maybe see some examples of that, but I think you'd have a lot more success faster if you identified what your goal was and you can work backwards. If you're paying attention, if you're paying attention enough to be a plus member, you have it in your, you you have it somewhere in your tool bag to work backwards off of what your goal opinion and, uh, and budget are. Yeah. And, and just practicing is, is a good idea, but I do think I've been talking with Matt V for ages about because he's as good as i've seen at ticket writing about doing a show where we just where we just go through the exercise and then have that as evergreen content win lose or draw with grading the races and talking about the whys and wherefores but basically to do a show on a pick six sequence where it's virtually no handicapping and all ticket structure and i think just people seeing how somebody like he approaches that how somebody like sean borman approaches that how somebody like duke matisse duke who will be with us late week for our santa anita opening day show by the way that's going to be a lot of fun just seeing them do it a few times, it will help you do what JK is saying and take it and practice on your own. DJ, let's move it. Okay, Frazier. feel like I'm being selfish as a fixed odds punter coming across to us from across the pond, but would still appreciate a price indicator on grids as to what would be an acceptable price with selections. Um, it's an interesting point. Grids often don't arrive till lots of the early prices are gone. Um, Thanks for all your work this year. Well, what I'll say, Frazier, for that is I would look, I think if you used morning lines as a guide and you saw situations, especially in New York, where we have a great morning line maker where you can get a fixed odds price that's much bigger than the morning line or even a little bigger than the morning line. I think that could serve as a proxy for that. I mean, I love the idea. And if we were a proper tipping service, we would do that. But we've only got about 10% of the market who's even able to bet fixed odds right now, just our overseas folks and our New Jersey folks. So it's it's impractical. But I mean, it's it's a good point. But I think my morning line idea will will definitely help give you a clue on that. Or I'd say just look across the books and take the outlier prices. There was a great example the other day where Venti Valentine, who I liked quite a bit, was five to two everywhere and then six to one at one book. And I had a couple of people saying, oh yeah, we snaffled the, the six to one. So you could use that as a guide as well. I doubt you have much to chime in on this one, JK. So DJ, I say we move right to the next one in the interest of getting uh, all these questions in. Uh, Alanis wants to know how we handicap a race where there are multiple horses coming out of the same race. This is good, JK. And I know you have good good stuff on this one. So, so you know, uh, when it, when it I, comes to common form lines, what, how, how do you advise? I think you, I think you, you look at the chart and you, this is what I do. I look at the chart and I say one, four, seven. So those are the three horses I look at one, four, seven. I try not to even look at their names. 
if I can avoid knowing who, which one is which, I just, and I watch the race and my eyes just go 147, 147, 147, 147. I watch the race. I watch the trip. I watch the gallop out and I say, who was best? Who got the best trip? Who was, who, who got the worst trip? Who, who do I like out of this race? Who do I not like out of this race? And you'll be shocked sometimes when you look at the names, you're like, oh, damn. That's the seven to one shot that that I thought was much the best. Like one got loose on the lead and had no excuse. And in and, 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 and a lot of times that horse that got loose on the lead had no excuse will have run second. So if you just kind of lazy cap it and look at the form, you're like, oh, that horse ran second. The other horse ran sixth. Oh, this horse obviously ran better in the race, but it's the opposite. Watching the replay and, and, and just watching those three horses in I think it's the most powerful replay because they're they're in the same race. You can see the jockey's hands. You can see if a horse had a lot more horse. You can see the gallop out where four jumps after the wire. This one horse is in front of everyone after having a tough trip. I love watching the replay when there's common horses in the next race watching their their previous race. I love that idea. Going back and watching it as if for the first time. And then, you know, after a race, how often do we say, oh, that horse was so much the best or, you know, or that horse had really had no finish and no excuse. You can't always see that. You, you rarely can see that in the chart unless you made notes. So go back and watch it as if you and, were watching for the first time. That's terrific stuff. And just to reiterate, it's a cheat because like, you know, I can watch the, the replay of, you know, Pizza Bianca running in her previous race and then watch the, the race of uh, Salima, I think is her name, that they're running in the American Oaks on, on opening day at Santa Anita. I can watch them run in separate races and you can only gather so much. But when they run in the same race, same circumstances, same energy used to get to certain points of the race, you can really separate who ran better when they come out of the same race. I think it's a huge edge. I get, I get very excited when you got some, you know, some rinky dinky uh, claiming race where four of them ran previously together. It makes it so much easier. Love that. And then the second question, this is a tougher one about the impact of Lasix in stakes races. Ugh, you know, it's, I, it's another moving target for me. And, and I don't know, like every time I think it's this, uh, you, you know, you certainly will find, I think it's huge to, to answer it simply. I think it's, there's a big impact, but it's very hard to come up with any rules for it in, in terms of, you know, Oh, you just have to do this or anytime they're off Lasix, it's bad. Anytime they're on, it's good. It really is much more about the individuals to me. And there are some horses that, consistently it doesn't it doesn't seem to matter and then other times it does and, and I, I wish I could give you a good little you know uh, tool to deal with this but it's just something that you need to pay attention to but yeah, I mean I, I wish I could give you more but I don't know you know I, I have no easy answer to this one yeah I mean um, you know I, I, I think that um, next time you have Paul Matisse on or even Duke when you have Duke um, Duke and Paul have some really interesting thoughts and theories about it. I know they pay attention to it quite a bit. Um, I, I think the example that I would give um, is to look at Pretty Birdie, who ran at Oaklawn, I think last week. Um, look at Pretty Birdie, and, and you'll see a horse that clearly needs Lasix. And I think that that's how you use the tool. You, you, you identify poor races, just like you do in any situation, outlier poor races, and you try to ask yourself, why did that happen? And I think nowadays it's it's easy to see some spots where they they need laces. And and I think that outside of that, I wouldn't get too carried away with it because you're not a veterinarian and you you don't you haven't scoped them, you don't know what their situation is. But I think you should identify 
those outlier performances and see if there happens to be an L next to those lines. If there is an L or not an L, I think that's kind of a clue. Yeah, it would be phenomenal if we had the after the fact, you know, if it said in the form bled on a scale of one to five, two to five, three to five, four to five, five to five. And, and you, you could then we if we had real data, we could identify patterns, you know, that'd, and, be, too, that'd be too civilized. Pete. <laughs> Let's move on because we have so many more questions. Uh, Trent wants to know why there is not more self-promotion when we give good advice on on things. That's a great question. We we probably need to do more of that. I think having a dedicated social media person, which I think we will in 23, might lead to that. I just know I think it's cheesy. I'm happy to shout it out when it's a guest doing it. I don't want to be like, oh, I just gave out that 20 to 1 on top. It's too, like, it just feels like a little touty and off-brand, honestly. Though having somebody do it for the whole network would probably make a lot of sense. But, yeah, I just, I'm not, like, comfortable I'm not like comfortable with it. Is the is the answer really? Yeah, uh, no. I mean, I, in a game where you're wrong seventy percent of the time, I think it's weird to promote the times you're right. Right? It's like it, it reminds me of that uh, of those those uh, those cats who uh, who who call and say they have a they have, they have a, a guaranteed winner, and if you pay fifty bucks, I'll give you the guaranteed winner. And they yeah. give they give fifty percent of the people one side, they give the other fifty percent <laughs> the other side. And then, and then they, so they, they give, so then the other 50 are like, damn, this guy's great. Then they come back, <laughs> they subscribe and he does it again. And then they just kind of start over until they can get a bunch of more mopes. And I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's a hard game. I, I think that, I think that promoting winners is kind of, like you said, it's kind of off brand for like what I think we want to be. Like we, we wanted to be the way we built this podcast. It was supposed to be to, you know, to help people and to be free. But as we gave more content, we had this one little pay version of it, but it was never meant to be like a tout service. It was most, it was meant to be like more content, more ideas, more thoughts, more conversation, not more winners. You know what I mean? I think we covered that pretty well. Let's move it on. When constructing horizontal tickets, is there anything that triggers you to notice an opportunity to play verticals in any of those races? For me, it's totally different parts of the brain. And what will usually get me interested in verticals is just that big price that I know is better than the paper or that's going to get the perfect race shape today, but I just don't think can win. And that's what typically draws me into verticals. But I'm much more of a horizontal player. You, I think I play verticals more than you. So I, I'm, I'm not sure you're going to have much to add here. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tool that I have in my bag, but I mean, I never get it out. And I should. <laughs> um, I just, I have, my brain has formulated into a who can win situation and has gotten away from who can run third. But there's so many opinions that I realize in hindsight that I have that, man, I should have exercised that opinion elsewhere. So, uh, you know, I, I think, I mean, to be, <laughs> not to be, not to be cheeky to, to, to PJP, but like, I, I think you answered the question. You'll see that opportunity when you see the opportunity, when you're looking at the horizontal, you'll find that vertical opportunity. It's, it's right there in front of you. And that's why you're asking the question is because you've, you've recognized it before. It'll show up. Yeah just going through and you see that horse you do not think can win or maybe is a deep C in horizontals, but you love this one's chances of running a third, fourth, second. Yeah. But you know, it's like, to be fair though, like you can always, it doesn't have to be a 20. People think you have to have a 20 to one shot to, 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 to play a vertical. You just have to have a strong opinion. I mean, you yep. can hit a cold exacta. You can, you can, you can, uh, you know, you can, 
take a five to one shot that, that you think um, has to be in the exacta that can really prevent, provide some value. You just really think the horse is going to run well. You can hate a favorite. There's a lot of different ways of, to go about it. It doesn't have to just be, Oh, I like this 27 to one shot, you know, to run third. To be fair, I don't think there's a lot of value in that anymore. Anyways, the way the computers play, I don't think there's a lot of value in the 27 to one shot to run third. No, that's fair. I mean, it's just all about when you have an opinion that isn't going to be shared by the market. And that could be the five to one that's supposed to be five to two or not even five to two to win because it's a different situation. Just that horse, like you said, you just have a super strong opinion about this one running second to your key horse. That's a great point. And of course, playing horses out is a great way to get involved with, with horizontals, you know, but again, the, the computers have made the, the, the verticals for me so efficient that that's part of why I don't look at them as much. Anyway, we could do a whole show on that. Great question. PJP. Let's uh, do the next one. Uh, Karen would like to see more handicapping at Santa Anita, like in the early pick five. Well, I've got good news for you, Karen, because we just uh, made a deal with Santa Anita. We're going to be covering a whole lot of stuff. And I'll tell you what, early pick five, that's a great idea for plus on big days when we're already doing other things late. We'll also see, I'm not sure if the, there's an exciting new wager coming down the line that I'm not sure if is official enough. We should be talking around here yet, but anyway, rest assured, Cam, more Santa Anita. Love the early pick five idea. Maybe we'll even do one um, opening weekend for some fun uh, on, on the early pick five. Well, opening day is opening day starts with a stake. Uh, oh, fantastic. It starts with a stake and there's actually two stakes, I believe in the early pick five. Oh, that's great. Well, we'll, we'll be getting, we'll be getting after it. Come this uh, Santa Anita. Let's move along. Uh, Jay concerned about the future of racing in terms of uh, the, the number of fans needing young people to get involved. Um, you know, talking about maybe having some of those uh, influencer types on the show and then getting them to post on social. I mean, it's a good idea. Why not? I mean, ABR do such a great job bringing in different influencers. And, you know, we have done, we haven't really done, we haven't really gone so much, you know, we're more about the, the serious handicapping stuff but you make a you make a good point as we get more of a profile and uh carve out more of a corner in the industry trying to work with them and do some sort of strategic partnership with an abr i'd be completely open to it jonathan like if we have an hour show i think we'd probably have 50 minutes of serious horse playing talk and maybe five or ten with somebody like that but it's i think it's interesting to get in our context to get to to meet some of these people and and i i have no problem with it all and i i've really enjoyed the work I've done with the ABR team over the years. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I've, I do those, those, those uh, live streams with, with Joy Taylor, right. Who's, who's obviously got a pretty big platform with her, uh, her involvement on Colin Cowherd show and then her, her own show now that she has that show speak, um, you know, and they, they do reach the other, they do reach, but not to be like a Debbie Downer here, but the problem is, is that, is that when people like that draw new people to our game, I don't think that the industry in our game as a whole does the best job of retaining them. I, I think we, we, we get eyes, but how do we keep those eyes? And I, and I think that, you know, you, you go back and you watch, uh, watch what you and Marshall did at it at Arizona. And I think that answers a lot of the questions, right? Pricing is a problem. It's, you know, you can, you can bet sports at a much short, smaller price and it's, it's easier to reach. It's easier to, to make a decision on what you want to do. This game is harder. The information is expensive. I just think that we as an industry have to do a better job keeping them when they look, because we get them to look, they look, they look on Derby day. They look during the breeders cup. They look when ABR takes these steps to get these big names to look, but how do we keep them? How do we retain them? 
And I think that that's where we've missed it a little bit on retaining them. So not to, not to, not to be no, a dead but I, I obviously, that's, that's I obviously the think issue. you're right. I think you're right. And I think that the, this, we have an incredible opportunity right now with all the eyes from sports betting. And, you know, I, as I've said many times, I think fixed odds is a great product to try to be able to give those folks a way to compete right away and hopefully get them to fall in love with the game and then be betting in all kinds of pools. All right, let's, uh, let's move it. Uh, Jeff P hoping to get some general comments on the Matt Vagvolgi race lens strategy. Really enjoy his segments. Well, yeah, we go back Jeff and, and look, we've done whole shows where he shows you how he uses that tool. And by the way, major host fail before when talking about race lens, when I actually used the wrong name for the product, Ooh, not good race lens. Not what I said before is where, is where you want to go. And I believe our promo code is still uh, working over there. Of course, I don't remember it off the top of my head. We don't currently have a deal with them. So I haven't had to read that ad in a while, but yeah, go and look on, um, go and look on YouTube and, and, and uh, check out, you know, if you just search, you'll you'll find some old evergreen stuff, and I'm sure we'll get them back in the boat, and we'll be doing more with them, Jeff. And you can you can check that out there, and also feel free to reach out to Matt directly on Twitter. Very very generous with his time. All right, uh, DJ, let's go. Tournament players, the ones you look forward to the most in 2023, and uh, do you know when they're scheduled to take place? Well, this is an issue that we'd love to help solve you know I, I do feel like the contest world at some point needs a central place to go to look at all of the big events but I mean Jonathan I'll just let you answer because I think the ones that the ones that you're going to say here are probably the ones that I'd that I'd put at the at the top yeah um I think there's a couple of things I think you know express bet has a as a contest page um and 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 Tyler and express bet does a pretty good job keeping that updated um, you know, I think on Naira Bets there might be a contest tab, and I, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure about the Naira Bets version. They're pretty much they're very consistent yeah. during their busy season. Yeah, but yeah. The Saturday contests and the big ones. Around, yeah, if you dig around on their site, you'll see. In not now, but in season, there's basically games every weekend. There's another website that has a calendar on it, but I would never recommend going to that website. Oh, geez, here we go. Um, <laughs> there's another website that has a calendar, but you know. You're, you know, you're just, I, I would, like I said, I wouldn't, I, I would, there's some, I wouldn't go there. The, place, um, the other place with the letters is JK. <laughs> I'll have to give this, I'll have to let people know if you're interested, I'm just going to say it. If you're interested in the NHC, NTRA.com has a calendar for, for those contests. I know JK more of a live bankroll player these days. Yeah. If you're interested in, in fueling a bunch of people's salaries and. Oh, and, geez. Here we and, go. And, 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 and horrible takeout. And 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 sliced meats for lunch. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm serious, but I'm not. <laughs> Move on to the Breeders' Cup betting challenge. I was that's what I was teeing you up for. Oh, that yeah. I mean, obviously, that's you know, you know when that one's going to be, and uh, and we you know we've talked about that extensively. It's just being the best opportunity. No, but I, I honestly think I think there's a calendar on the NHC that has on the NHC or the NTRA, NTRA website that has, you know, they do usually do a really good job of keeping that up to date of all of their tour events, which basically every contest nowadays is a tour event. I don't know there's too many that aren't, but um, yeah, so that they have them there. I don't know how the, they used to keep it updated. I, like I said, jokingly, I haven't been there in a long time. But they used to keep it updated. For in terms of majors for me, the dates I would say to circle Keeneland, Keeneland spring and fall, those, those events for sure. Del Mar, Del Mar will have one summer and fall. And yeah. then, you know, and, and Breeders' Cup. Yeah, yeah, Del Mar. 
Um, and it's, you know, and actually, like I said, Express Cut's been really good lately. Um, uh, and like, you know, and first have been really good of kind of having contests on their big days. Um, yeah. And then I, I've always been a huge fan and I'll remain a huge fan of, of, of Hawthorne's contests. Yes, that's a great one too. Thanksgiving weekend, that's one. I, I feel it's annoying. You have to go to 17 different places to get all the info and, and maybe someday that's a project we'll work on, but the bandwidth limited as far as that goes. But yeah, I think that gives you an idea. And then we're hoping, not official yet, but hopefully Horse Player Happy Hour is going to be back. And I really want to blow that up this year. I just feel like, I mean, it's done great and we've raised a lot of money and we've done some good stuff for players, but I, but I still feel like it's a little bit underappreciated in the contest playing community. I feel like everybody should be playing max entries every week in that thing, given uh, the fact that the house cut goes to charity and that there's $20,000 added to the prize pool. All right, let's move it along. With flight line now permanently in the hangar, who's the next it horse? Who's a horse that is, is it someone who's revealed himself or herself yet? Or is it going to be a surprise in 2023? I think it's wide open. I think it's wide open, JK. Do you have a, a prediction for the next big horse? Um, I think, you know, ask me, you know, ask me on, on, on the 26th uh, around, you know, 7, 8 PM Eastern. I, I, I look, I think, I think Taiba, Taba, excuse me, has an opportunity to be that type of horse uh, to continue to progress. He, he showed so much talent as a three-year-old. I don't know if he's going to be as, you know, I, you know, it's, it's weird. Like that's kind of a new, a new standard of horse flight line. I, I just think the next really good, talented, fast, strong, uh, dominant racehorse could be, could be that one. We've had this like baton handoff, it seems like going back a ways, though, to the point of the question, like who's obviously not going to be flight line, but who's next in line? Taba, JK's guess. You know, we already asked you to put in the comments um, on YouTube your uh, your moment of the year, as it were, for for 2022. Uh, but give us your it horse for 2023 as well. Very curious to hear what people have to say as far as that goes. Let's move to slide 13. Uh, looking back at 2022, which jockey made the biggest leap forward? Which trainer? The first thing that pops to my head isn't really, it's a leap forward in the sense of I went from literally never having heard of her to noticing her as an apprentice to watch going forward in 2023. Madison Alver. Have you been impressed with her, JK? I mean, the thing for me that I've liked is, yeah, there's been, you know, a winner or maybe two, but it's when you see an apprentice come in and they're obviously, they're still green, but they're riding 19 to ones, 23 to ones and getting them to run third and fourth. Like that's the kind of thing that just suggests to me that the sort of thing you can't teach, the getting horses to run for them kind of thing. It's not really answering the question, but you know, we're on the fly here. And that was the first thing that popped to mind in the, in the truer spirit of the question. Can you think of somebody who really moved forward in, in your eyes here? Um, you know, it's going to be kind of weird. It's, it's weird because it, it was maybe a little bit of 2021 too. And, and I think there's also a lot of people on the West coast that are going to giggle when I say this, but if you've watched these shows long enough, you know, that I had a bad opinion of Flavian Pratt. I just didn't, I didn't think he was, I thought he was kind of beating up on lesser in California. And I mean, he really solidified himself. I thought this year coming to Saratoga being extremely competitive. I think there's probably once upon a time where I said he wouldn't be in the top 10 if he came to Saratoga. And I was completely wrong about that. I, you know, he's really kind of put himself into one of those situations where I get excited when he's on a horse that I've bet. And, 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 and that's a huge leap forward for my opinion of him prior. Um, and so I, I think he's one. And then another one, like another kind of a cheeky answer is I think Javier Castellano kind of, kind of found himself again, you know, kind yeah. of really found, you know, it's, it's weird to say that which jockey made the biggest leap forward as a, as a, as a, uh, as a hall of famer, but 
you know, he, he's, he had some, he's had some up and downs, ups and downs in his career and he was in the middle of a down and he's kind of back up again. And I think that that's, um, I think that's pretty important, but outside of that, I mean, you know, the good ones are the good ones and, 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 and they've kind of remained that way. Irad is to me probably uh, heads and, you know, and, you know, above everyone else, but you know, the rest of them, you know, Louis still damn good. Joel's still good. Jose can still get you there. You know, there's, 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 there's a bunch that, that, that haven't really just haven't gone the other way. You know, I'll say. Trainer wise, one name that I'll just throw out there, and this might be me noticing it by paying much more attention as much as anything else, but I'm very, very impressed with the work that Ray Handel did in, in 2022. Again, that's not like he, not like a leap forward in that day. He wasn't good and became good, but just somebody who I just noticed consistently improving horses and, and getting results. Tom Morley feels like somebody who I'll also say uh, based on his recent results, somebody like I think was always good, but feels to be, you know, like consolidating some of those gains and, and getting more winners, just guys who, you know, are not those two or three who seem to win every race in New York, who I'm always happy to, to have on side. And again, I, I don't want to say they had leaps forward so much as they're just trainers and trainers that I'm just paying all that much more attention to as the calendar's about to turn. Anybody leap to your mind as far as that one goes? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think Ray does a great job. Um, I'm trying to think about who's kind of really, really jumped out that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, uh, you know, obviously we watch a lot in New York, um, like I've always thought Jorge Abreu is outstanding. Um, I think he does a phenomenal job when, when he gets a horse first time starters, he'll, he'll, he's, he wins at an unbelievable percentage with first time starters. It's like 20% or 18% or something like that with first time starters. So I, I think he does an outstanding job and, and just kind of getting better horses. Um, I, I think will kind of continue to help him along. And I thought Ray handles a good answer too. I, you know, Ray, Ray went from being like, Oh, for a hundred with first time starters. And I think he's won six, races with firsters in the last year and a half two years so he's kind of really figured that out as well so um you know those 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 stand out for me from a new trainer standpoint i'm sure there's some mid-atlantic you know you know it'd be great for this question i would ask this too i would tweet this question too is marshall graham yeah yeah four or five people um that because he follows that and he, he he wants to find new young up and coming trainers because he wants to, to give them what's to help them but he also wants to get in with them while they're smaller before they blow up. We have a little elf come to join us here on uh, in this Christmas uh, in this Christmas season. It's the cameras up there. You gotta wave. You gotta wave up there. You go. There, bear. Parent, I'll come up. We're we're just what are we? We're doing seven more minutes, right, Jonathan? One important thing I need to tell you. Okay, what is it, parent? You know the movie Strange World we're gonna see next week? Yes, I do know it. Apparently it's gonna start to be streaming on Disney Plus tomorrow. Oh my goodness. Well, we can probably save the trouble of going to the to the movies then. All right, good stuff. I'll see you right after this show. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> so you get your entertainment news and you get your handicapping news. All right, we're gonna do I wanna save five minutes at the end for like proper recap, but let's see if we can get through uh get through a few more of these speed round style. For horse players right now, what do you perceive to be the top issues that merit attention uh, from the likes of Pat Cummings and others? We talked about this. Um, we talked about this before. You know, I mean, pricing, fixed odds, more availability of data. You know, the, 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 take take your pick. But I mean, those are the things for me that uh, the, 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 the come right to the fore. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's pricing, but I think even more so, it's it's the racetracks and the horsemen understanding that 
there is a way to make the pie bigger. If you take a smaller slice, if you, if you take a smaller slice that allows the pie to get bigger, you will end up in the same place, if not better with what you actually are bringing in. But they, for whatever reason, the, the racetracks and the horsemen don't trust that theory. And they feel like if they give away some of their income, they give away some of their points that they're receiving from takeout, from, from, from ticket sales, from all these things, they, they treat it as if that money's not going to come back to them and that they're going to give it away. And I understand that, that, that they don't, aren't operating on the, 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 the plushest of budgets, but if they will just trust that lowering the price, making it more competitive will allow people to stay and allow people to engage more and to play more. But that's, you know, they just don't seem to do that. If only a billionaire with a great marketing mind would buy a racetrack. <laughs> I wonder who you have in mind there. There's a few it could be. But yeah, I mean, and this is in the face of Marshall hit us with the stat out in Arizona, adjusted for inflation, 48% handle decline in whatever it is, 18 years, I think was the study. And that's with the computer betters taking up a much bigger portion of that. So, I mean, look, I'm not here to say the sky is falling, but it's, it's time to make some major changes. Okay, let's move on. Anytime now, DJ. He's getting a cup of coffee. The here Jets we go. must have announced who's starting a quarterback. Next <laughs> That's the one we just did. <laughs> when are we going to see more JK plus one shows? Um, we are in conversations for a title sponsor. Now um, I've got some, I've got some pretty big plans. If we can get that done for, for this year. Um, I, you know, I want to do 30, 40 next year, if I can. Um, Amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've got some good ones, I, you know, and, and some of them in video, I want to do uh, angel Cordero, which I think three hours won't be long enough to get some of his <laughs> stories. Um you know, I want to do Chad. I want to do Todd Pletcher. I want to do Rapoli, Bobby Flay. I want to do uh, uh, Tom Durkin. You know, basically some of the cart talk situations, but just longer. So Love hopefully, it. hopefully we'll 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 pull that off here coming up in in January. So keep an eye out for that. Are the cart talks all up as discrete items on YouTube? Can people? Yeah, I think they are. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure they are. For yeah. your hungering for a little sneak preview, maybe go check those out. One more here, and then we're going to do the question that gives the show its name. Uh, who are some of the people you have working for you behind the scenes? We only catch glimpses of uh, what does the broader ITM team look like? Oh, and a DJ Unstable shout out. Yeah, well, DJ Unstable has been critical since the formation of this company. He's still involved pretty much week in, week out. Eric DeCoster, extremely bright U of A student, helps us out with the newsletters and the plus stuff, he's going to be providing some more content as we increase our triple crown uh, content this year. Tyler Wisman, digital marketing genius, really plus was his brainchild. He still helps out. We have brainstorming conversations all the time. I think folks know about uh, Drew Coatney, who we shout out at the end of every show. Again, you know, his story's well-documented enough that I don't need to go into it here, but uh, amazing to see him with his BCBC win and still strategically like making this work as a business while we go on creating content. We couldn't do it without him. Uh, recently, James Millar is somebody I'll give a, a big shout out to, sort of creating an operations division, figuring out how we could run more smoothly, helping us on the, on the sales side. Passionate racing fan who reached out to me years ago about how to get involved in the industry and ended up getting into 
involved in the industry, working through us, uh, military background, uh, Saratoga, uh, grew up up there and just a, just a great, great uh, person as well to have on side. And I'll also shout out, uh, she's not working with us currently on maternity leave, but Jenna Browning, who really turned the sales side of this from just me and Drew making stuff up into like a real machine. So yeah, what a great way to end the question portion of the show just by giving uh, shout outs to those people who help us out and uh, AJ Wash producer AJ will give him a will give him a shout out as well and DJ unstable I think you know now we can now we can say because he's no longer working for that other place with the letters he is one in the same with producer Craig aka Craig Gorbanoff doing a great job for us all the time um Jonathan let's get to the to the meat and potatoes here your your moment of the year for for 2022 um, you know, I, look, I, I think that it's it, it was a toss up because it was two different situations. I think from a racing standpoint and, and, and getting to see greatness, obviously seeing Flightline uh, win the Breeders' Cup and, and just his year in general was was a ton of fun to watch. It was exciting. Uh, it's exciting to, to watch an animal that talented run around there because you, 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 you will follow the game enough. You know how easy it is to get beat. Um, and then just from emotional standpoint, like, I mean, I'm going to say what everyone else said. I, something about that Cody's wish story just really, really, uh, ripped at my heartstrings. You know, it, it's, it was, it was, um, it was cool because the horse was so talented. It was awesome that the horse won. It was awesome what, what the horse accomplished, but just the, it, it to me, it was uh, in a much bigger way and in a much more important way. It was just an, it was an indicator of what this game, if you are a passionate fan of this game, what those equine athletes can do for you um, emotionally. Like it, it brings, they bring us so much joy. Uh, they've brought in you and I careers um, and to bring joy to, to a young man who obviously has, you know, obstacles that you and I wake up every day complaining about the dumbest shit in the world. And, 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 and compared to what that young man ha has to go through, and he he was able to to gain joy as well through through uh, our four legged friends and Cody's wish in, in particular and, and and watching that you know if you're ever having a bad day because you you know you, you know you're you're you, you know you're arguing with your spouse or you, you know your your boss is being a jerk just watch that video and you'll have a little perspective so those are the two highlights for me for sure. That's great. Cody Dorman getting to see him speak in Arizona was was wonderful, you know, obviously through the iPad and whatnot. It was, uh, it was a very meaningful experience for me. He, that's an interesting horse, too, going forward, potentially. He's sticking around, isn't he, Cody's Wish? I would think so. I mean, we can do that thing we do where I talk really slow and, and look <laughs> to see if he's worked, if he's worked since you, then. You and, do that. You do that. I got to give – we have to shout out the other moment, which was, you know – left me stunned wandering through a neighborhood in, in Louisville for 15 minutes before I could even speak to other people. But, you know, in retrospect, my saltiness, many other saltiness about the rich strike story. I mean, it was great headlines for racing and it showed how we can do all that we do and spend all the time. And you can have some of the great minds in racing talking about the Kentucky Derby for hours on end. And you can still have a hundred to one shot win. I mean, it's, it's wild. And it's part of what it's frustrating at the time when your job is to analyze this stuff, but on some level as a fan, the ability to not always be right as frustrating as that is, it's part of the game and you'll never see a better example of it 
than the confluence of circumstances that got Rich Strike first to the line in the Kentucky Derby. When people look back at 2022, they're going to remember Flightline, they're going to remember Cody's Wish, and they're going to remember Rich Strike. I think that's not a bad trifecta to go out on, and I know we do have to go out here pretty soon. But did you find anything on that question? Uh, my the where I look didn't answer the question. So don't I, I'm pretty I sure heard they're retiring him. I wouldn't imagine they would. I mean, no, I think he'll stick around. I think he's another. I mean, I you know, it, it, it horse maybe in a different sense than the than the than the emailers uh, question well, before. They're into making stallions, right? They want to have horses that can stand at Darley uh, Godolphin. That is, and he his resume is not complete enough to make him the stallion I think they would like to make him right. So he's won two grade ones. He won and, and both of them at, at kind of middle distances, a seven furlong was in a, in a, in a short stretch, one turn mile. Yep. You know, I, I think, a I think a mile and an eighth grade one would be great on his resume. A met mile would be great on his resume for, for, to be a stallion. So I, I feel guilty not really knowing, but I'm, I'm assuming he'd be back. Yeah, I think he's going to be. And that's going to be a that, that that's another, I, I like that as another horse to watch. I wish I'd thought of that in, in real time going forward. All right. You've got places to go. I've got I've got to talk to a little girl about a film that I'm not even exactly sure what it is, but I, I guess I don't have to spend 40 bucks going to the movies now. We can just watch it on Disney Plus and like make some chili. That'll be fun. Um, JK, enjoy your holidays. We'll leave you alone, I think, until uh, until next year, unless you have a, a, a burning desire to do anything about Santanita Santa opening day. We can talk about what that. Are you gonna, when are you going to record that? We're recording. It's, it's, it's an all-star cast, JK. Uh, 11 a.m. Friday with Giorgio, Chappie, and Duke is the current is the current lineup. We could you could piggyback on there or we could do something separate. But you know, we don't have to decide. No, we do I'll, not have to have this production meeting. That's too much it. that's too much star power for me. I gotta say <laughs> you put Chappie and Duke on the same show. Uh, I'll, I'll just I'll just d- definitely watch it. I'll, I'll stay I'll stay out of the way. Excellent. Great stuff. Thank you, JK. Thank you, DJ Unstable. Thank you to Everybody out there, I mean, obviously the plus subscribers, great to do these Q&A shows for you. Really love that. But it doesn't matter if you're a plus subscriber or not. We're nothing without the viewers. We're nothing without the listeners. You know, we, we wish you Merry Christmas. We will have another show before the holiday for the big, uh, big sign-off. I will do a musical interlude as well. So, yeah, we'll be back with more content later in the week. Until then, PTF from the bunker saying uh, Merry Christmas. And may you win all your photos.